You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! going on guys welcome to another episode of pure pleasure with dewey halpas on jabberjaw media i am dewey your host with the most bringing you more great content week after week this week guys we have one of the greatest folks i know in the music business a true hero he is uh one of the nicest people i've ever met in the music business but he also really cares about the bands he works with he cares about ethics he's he's just got a sound mind, uh, Mr. Johnny Minardi. He is the VP, Vice President of A&R for the Electro Music Group with Fueled by Ramen, Roadrunner Records. He is just, I mean, he's just climbing the climbing the ladder. It's super impressive to watch his rise, you know, and, and where he's come from to where he is now uh, in a very high-powered, you know, position with a lot of pull, and he's really changing uh, you know, music. Um, he's he's bringing out some amazing artists. Um, you know, we talk about it in the episode. Uh, he's brought you know so many cool things you know to light and and to the world from all over the world. So uh, big thanks to Johnny for coming on, uh, giving his time to come on the show and have a great chat. Um, it's always fun to chat with with buddies on this uh, on this platform, this podcast. So. Uh, anyways, let's get some business out of the way real quick, guys. PeerPleasurePodcast.com is the website. PeerPleasurePod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me. Uh, if you want to send guest ideas, comments, questions, anything like that, or just reach out, 
purepleasurepod at gmail.com. All right, guys, check out Thunderbolt Guitars over on Instagram. They built me a custom uh, Telecaster Deluxe. Uh, they do the aluminum necks. Uh, Nick over in Detroit is the man. He will take your idea and make it a reality. It's the most incredible thing to see happen before your eyes. Uh, go check out Thunderbolt Guitars right now. Uh, we are also sponsored by Blackcraft Cult. Check them out on Instagram and online. Blackcraft Cult is uh, Bobby Shabensky started this company. Um, they've endorsed the show. And they've got some amazing uh, clothing, accessories, all kinds of stuff. Uh, go check them out now. They're massive. I'm sure you guys have heard of them before. If you haven't, type in Blackcraft Cult and check out what they've got. It's got some amazing stuff. Uh, and shout out to Bobby. Thanks for the endorsement. And uh, we're glad to be working with them. All right, guys. So I want to get right into this one because it is a good one. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Mr. Johnny Minardi. Dewey. Yo, how are you, Johnny? How are you? Doing great, brother. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine. This is great. Dude, can you excellent. hear me? Yeah, I can hear you absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Technology, great. huh? This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> how are you? How was the uh, wedding anniversary? Uh, it was good. It was good. Yeah. 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 Five years. I, how are you doing it? It's crazy. May's a, a busy first half of the month. We have. Um, Mother's Day, our anniversary, right. and my, my birthday's on the sixth. So it's like a whole three things at once. Great. There, it's happy belated birthday. That's right. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you very much. And uh, of course, yeah, your girl just had a birthday too, didn't she? She did May 9th, Absolutely. May so 9th. just like you, that weekend was uh, her birthday Saturday, then May tenth Mother's Day. So that was a big action-packed weekend for us. <laughs> it's nice. Although in quarantine, what does it all really mean? I guess right. Yeah. So, Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> My daughter turns seven on the twenty sixth, 
And right. uh, then my brother's birthday is the 27th. So it just goes <laughs> in pairs and go. threes, whatever. But right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So are you cool. You're in Orange County, right? I am. I'm in Newport Coast. Newport Coast. Okay. So mm-hmm. are you having a nice day down there? It's It's been like pissing rain all morning and now it's starting to get really hot. Oh, so it's like sticky and muggy over there, probably, huh? It's gross. It's gross. Yeah. All week. I remember that way. No, we've, um, I don't know what the temperature is, but it feels like every day is like mid 70s and starts a little gloomy and gets beautiful by 10 a.m. And we're just out there running around on skateboards and bikes with the kid. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Staying active. Good. Yeah. How's the, how's the quarantine been for you guys? I mean, is it like, yeah. I mean, you've had, I mean, a lot's gone on, but like, uh, yeah. I mean, for the, in the overall perspective, how's things going? Sure. It's good, man. Yeah. I mean, what is this week, nine or 10 or some shit? And it's like outside of, you know, me, I can work from home just fine. I worked from home for 13 years and didn't really feel too much of a change outside of not driving to LA every day, which to be fair has saved me three hours a round trip commute every other day or whatever. So yeah. um, I'm cool there. It's more about my wife's sanity with trying to take over for homeschooling for Sutton um, is the real change, I guess, of, you know, trying to continue learning and showing her, you know, the next steps to hopefully she, she was doing so incredibly well with school that we were like, fuck, you know, now yeah. here we are. We don't want to stunt whatever was in momentum there. Well, how has she been going about the homeschooling? Like my my wife has been doing homeschool with the kids for uh, the last two years, and so okay. nothing really changed for us at the house. But right, like, fair. But they say like forty five minutes uh, a day of school is about what a first grader can handle attention sure. span wise. Yeah. Have you guys looked into right. that? Like, I don't like know a, that. You- Right. I don't know the recommended. I think what we've done is we kind of, you know, the school has been really great about passing along kind of the structure of how their day goes. So we tried to take parts of it and do morning meeting and, you know, try to put a little of the same structure and fun things that she enjoys um, in there. But yes, also then trying to interject with like 30 minutes of real actual, you know, schoolwork and then something else and then come back. So yeah, I would say probably 45 minutes to hour, hour and a half if we're really, really lucky yeah. on a certain day. But yeah, no, that the intention's been, especially now, like week one and two, she was all in. Now it's like, can I go outside? You know what I mean? Like it's just 20 minutes in you're like, I'm, I'm good. I know how to spell that word now. Can we, can we be done with this? <laughs> They've been going so, on nature walks constantly to break up the that's day, great. Or, you know, 15 yeah. minutes on the trampoline in the backyard or. Right. You know, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, up. listen, I think it's to each their own and obviously it's so uncharted for even us in our lifetimes, let alone them and theirs. So whatever we could all do to get through this shit sane and safe and healthy, like great. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I don't care what this hump actually means. And hopefully it's just a little blip on all their growth charts in their brains. Sure. I, yeah. I really hope we can move past it. Cause I mean, I know a lot of things yeah. are going to change forever, but hopefully not too much. Right. You know? totally. but, or or we'll if it does for a good reason, you know, and it, and it becomes yeah. a good thing. Right. I hope this is really, you know, in general, taught people like to be empathetic in other people's situations because clearly, you know, not to be selfish, but my life didn't change all that much. Luckily, I have a job and things are working just fine with me, but I'm looking around watching a lot of friends and stuff fall, you know, 
to some of this with getting fired or income for bands and, you know, all this other shit that we see every day that we take for granted or took for granted. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping can be like everyone extend a hand to people who need it, you know, and just be like, wow, I, we relied on people that we usually shit on to get us through this stuff and hopefully the big pieces of shit can look at that and yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. feel better about it i hear you man we're seeing who does uh, who matters like the you know totally. you think of what a grocery store clerk makes you know totally. and you think of what you know i'm in construction now and we do just fine but you know sure. like you look i think people look at construction workers too in the same vein like you know, just a bunch totally. of low lives and stuff. And there are quite a few, but, uh, sure. you know, <laughs> bad apples all over. It's the a place, fair bro. wage, <laughs> but like these guys, like the, the, yeah, the, the, the grocery store people, I mean, just, just yeah. drained. You see them, you go in the, the store and they're just drained and terrified, but they're right. doing, you know, if they weren't there, we'd all be struggling so bad. And it's just, yeah, it right. really shows you what matters, you know? Um, right. I just, yeah, I hope people come out of it with a new respect for a lot of people yeah and a patience for it so sure we'll see. absolutely so down in down in orange county are you guys starting like a fight the reason i'm asking this i i talked to um uh john feldman on mm -hmm. friday i had him on the show on friday and he mentioned Go. something because i was kind of going at like you know a lot of things hinder are hindering you know that kind of career right now without being able to tour and recording he said that things are pretty normal um are, are you guys like moving into a uh, a lift on some of the stuff like or is you guys still locked down uh we on a lift we have some stuff but it's like you know beaches or like socially distanced i don't think like you still can't do most stuff around me at least it's all like curbside and takeout for restaurants okay. um yeah no we're definitely not down here at least no i don't know what la is doing okay um but yeah, I honestly, I think LA is on even a crazier lockdown. I know John's up, um, you know, he's further, further North than LA. So I don't yeah. know, may, maybe up there, it's kind of like here where things are more spread out and it's not on top of each other, like a major city to where maybe there's some more shit opening up by him, I would say. Yeah. Okay. That was, that was interesting. Yeah. Cause like we have a bunch of counties in Oregon that are able to start opening up on like the phase one thing. And the big like Portland Multnomah County uh, is still no. They're not even close to um, right having enough. Uh, what do they call them? Uh, trackers or whatever, or contact right. tracers. But, sure, uh, sure. Anyway, yeah, man, Who it's knows? crazy. Day by day, brother. <laughs> well, John, Johnny Minardi, dude. Uh, yeah. Take me back, my friend, because I want to. I want to start from the beginning with you because you've had an interesting road. And you, I mean, it's so awesome to watch the trajectory you've had and, and, you know, like jumping for joy when these things come out, you know, when you got promoted and, and I know Maori and I were like texting each other, like, holy shit, like everyone's like, <laughs> like cheering awesome. on, you know, like it's so rad, but, but uh, were you born in Chicago? I was born in a suburb. Yeah. In Chicago, but I lived in a suburb called Desplaines right outside O'Hare. Okay. Perfect. And you have born like, and raised. Yeah. Take me through, I mean, kind of your childhood and, and I mean, cause that's yeah. where everything kind of, you know, comes from, you know, cool. I would love to, to get that side of your story. Cool. Yeah. I, you know, like I said, grew up in displays. I had an incredible group of friends early on and, you know, life, like most, I'm sure young boys with sports and, you know, everything like that. Luckily growing up in Chicago, 
in the 90s was Bulls domination, as everyone's seeing from the last dance currently, which is super rad and introspective. <laughs> so I, I had a front row seat to the coolest shit ever uh, sports wise. So I was obviously very inspired by that. Um, a few of those friends uh, had grown into music and started playing or going to shows or whatever. And at that point, I kind of opened up, you know, my world from, you know, radio stuff into joining street teams when I was like 13 and 14 for like major labels or like drive through records and less than Jake and like all these bands. Um, and I, as I was doing that, I kind of just fell in love with it and didn't understand maybe from a super naive an innocent angle like why local bands weren't as big as bands on the radio so i just kind of started going to local bands and trying to help them promote themselves or tell more people about them and just kind of do anything to get more people to their shows or to i guess you couldn't listen to them online outside of like mp3.com or something at that time mm-hmm. um and then yeah so I, I found a couple local bands the first two being 504 plan and august premiere and when i was 18 and said i want to start a label can i help you guys out i'll pay for the recordings and press the cds and let's go sell them you know we'll figure this out as we go and luckily they said yes um just started doing it and did that for three years and a couple of the bands um academy is gatsby's american dream hidden in plain view and august premiere all went on to sign with other labels fuel by ramen drive through records and fearless records so got to know those labels well got to watch how they worked and right after academy signed um i was approached by fila raman to come and work there as they were expanding because fallout boy was just exploding and they just needed more bodies and we obviously had the similar tastes and he had signed two of my bands within two years so we just got to know each other well luckily got there right as that label was just having the run of all runs within this kind of scene and genre from, you know, bands that were selling a thousand copies and then went straight to radio and just dominated that whole world. I feel like with platinum records and just crazy shit. Um, so that was amazing to be a part of that and watch that. Then, um, I was let go from that in 2012 when there was a lot of changes going on there, shit of way above my head. Um, he left, the owner left to go run Interscope, and then I was kind of just left for dead a little bit. And then jumped into, started a management company, which was producers, mixers. It's called Self Titled Management, which I still do today. It's going into its eighth year. Um, and then a few years into that, our mutual friend, uh, I'd heard him on your show a few weeks back. Uh, Dan Sanshaw and I reconnected as friends and basically decided to work together and went to Equal Vision for like two, two, two and a half years, something like that. Um, And then after, during that, I was approached again by Field by Ramen to come back in to uh, work there and at Roadrunner Records and now the Electro Music Group, which now houses both of both of those labels. And I know that was a lot of information all at once. So <laughs> let me know if I went too fast. No, no, no. This is good. So the one thing I wanted to touch on first thing, which I love, uh, you would always post those pictures from your teenage years yes. with random dudes from random yes. like crazy bands and you're you, yes. like either have like a static x shirt on or like a uh <laughs> dude those make me laugh so hard because yeah. you just it's look great. so like you're never smiling 
dude, I'm miserable. I don't even understand. Like I, I, you know what it is. I actually went back the other day and looked through them with a friend that was here uh, at my house. And I think what it was is I was so nervous because (laughs) I was, I was like, you know, I'm like a 15 year old kid standing next to, you know, Meigs from cold chamber who has like a red fishnet shirt on and Uh like, I'm just super (laughs) confused, but I loved these bands. And I just like, I'd be the kid that would wait outside the tour buses or the backstage door or whatever. Like I just was super interested in meeting these people. And I don't know why in a way, because I, I say that like I love their bands, but I never asked them any questions. Like I never said any. I feel like I was probably so awkward. I'm probably the kid that they were like, what the fuck? Like that <laughs> dude was so, but whatever. Like I, I just like, I just threw, I always throw myself into stuff, I guess, with that and really just jump in and enjoyed like, I love this band. So why wouldn't I want to try to meet them? You know what I mean? Or whatever. And But then meeting them. I don't know. I just kind of took a photo with him and that was it. And I said, I met him. That was cool. So see, that's awesome though. Like that's, that's such a special thing that see, I used to do the same kind of stuff, but when we were already touring, like I would try to make friends with people and and talk to, you know, like warp tour. It was kind of, it was two reasons. Like I, I genuinely wanted to meet some of these people, but I also wanted to have air conditioning and the the bigger bands had buses and we had a van. Mm -hmm. So I wanted mm-hmm. air conditioning if I wanted to hang out and chat with whatever. So luckily, like, you know, Thrice is on Warp Tour with us. So like, sweet, I right. hit to their bus every day and have right. air conditioning and good conversations. The rest of the band's like, you're such a fanboy, man. Just like they're just regular people. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, regular people that are doing extraordinary things that I enjoy. So cool. And now yeah. they're still the same way. I, I'm sure they're still like, you know, he's just fanboying out. But I totally identify with what you were doing. But it's also hilarious. Totally. So you just didn't say anything. Just like, can I get a picture? And oh, then like bailed. Dude. Yeah, it'd be like, awesome show. Can I get a photo? You know what I mean? And that was it. There was no like, I can't even think of probably what the deepest conversation was. It would no matter what it was, it was no more than three or four sentences. At that, at the age that you're seeing those photos, years go past after that, where the shit that I really fell in love with was like less than Jake or Suicide Machines and, and stuff in that lane. When I when I met those guys, I would actually ask like real questions about the band or a new album the new album or like i would have a thought of like holy shit this is my favorite song on your record like did did you mean this you know what i mean like i would actually have like a a poignant thought on something they did so years late i i guess you got to start somewhere is how i always picture it where like all those dudes i had nothing to say because they were probably 15 years older than me and looked crazy as hell versus once you get into the punk rock stuff you're like oh that dude straight up is just a dude and he's on stage got it yeah yeah so you kind of like the magic's still there for you though for a little while like where it's i mean you can see the other side but still the yeah. that excitement's there like that's something that that you have that's so awesome that i think a lot more people in the industry need to have i mean it's something that I mean, your passion for it, even starting then, I mean, you can see it like, yes, you're terrified, but you were, right. do, you were doing shit. Like <laughs> yeah, you weren't sitting playing video games, pushed. you were doing shit. Right. You Absolutely. Know? No, I thought it was just interesting that these people could create stuff that I, that hit me in a certain way, whether, you know, again, a lot of people rag on the new metal, new metal era, but I, you know, some, it's funny because now it's like weirdly cool to like those bands again. Like, I don't, or maybe not, maybe not again, maybe for the first time or something, but like, yeah, dude, we would at school, you'd get made fun of for listening to corn and shit. You know what dude. I mean? Dude. And, <laughs> <laughs> so different i'm glad now you brought people that up. are like the coolest shit in the world and you're like what what <laughs> like hang yeah. on 
So if you and I could could, could like go back to that time, because we're similar in age. Yeah. I'm 38. You're how, how old are you, yeah, Jack? 36. 36. I'll okay. be 37 in July, so basically Perfect. 37. About, about the same age. So like yeah. back in high school, I used to draw the Corns logo all over my notebooks. <laughs> and like I had the Hit Parader magazine, yeah. and we would trade issues. And like, oh, I want those posters. So my buddy and I would yeah. trade. And, you know, like the Jonathan Davis before he had yeah. more tattoos and like super young, <laughs> everyone's super young and blah, blah, blah. Right. If you could fast forward to now and like go back to ourselves and say, hey, in like, you know, 20 some years, <laughs> here's where you're going to be and what you're going to be doing. So, right. uh, yeah, Ch Chino from Deftones hit me up on Instagram randomly. There's a whole story to this. I'm not going to go into, oh, but, but I'll tell yeah. you later, but because uh, yeah. it hasn't happened all the way yet. Anyways, randomly right. hits me up on Instagram. I thought it was fake. Sent it to right. my couple friends that are buddies of his. Say, hey, is this legit? And they're like, yeah, okay. So we're texting back and forth. He listens to the show. I'm totally freaking out. Like, what? I, I've, I've, everything you've done has been badass. And you're coming right. to me. Like, I should have gone through seven legend. different gatekeepers to get you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's like, hey, I'm going to go check out corn this Friday at Moda Center. Do you want to go? And I was like, <laughs> uh, yes. So it's the point where I'm <laughs> yeah. just going to say yes to everything in this situation. And so I told my wife, like, I think I have to go see corn tomorrow. She's like, what? Right. And I was like, well, here's the story. And she's like, okay, yeah, you got to do that. So right. to this day, to, to that day, I've never seen corn live. They were my favorite band all the way through oh, high school. Awesome. And all of a sudden I'm going to see them for free. With Chino. Like, yeah. Like Vel well, Velvet Hammer sent tickets over and, I'm going to see corn at the Moda Center in 2020. Like it was Fucking insane. So and they were rad. Dude, so they're rad. So good still. If you're in, you're in, dude. It's like it, they they they're crowd pleasers, no question. Yeah. So that's so sick. And a similar story, my buddy who I grew up with and actually ran the label with, he tour manages Panic at the Disco and he, and we were the biggest corn fans in the world in our mind back then. And he texted me. He was on stage at Summer Sonic in Japan like 6 years ago and he's watching Corn and Chino standing next to him and he took a photo with Chino and he's like if I told 13 year old me that this, he's like, this is the coolest moment of my life. He's like, this is <laughs> the stupidest thing that doesn't make sense. And I was just like living through him for that night. And he was sending me videos and then he would like pan over. It was just, it was the coolest shit. I'm like, <laughs> wow. So rad. Dude, standing, so standing next to that. And that happens so often. If so you're cool. standing side stage for any band, regardless of how big they are, you're the odds of running into somebody enormous is it's crazy. Like I Too was cool. at a bar in Astoria, Oregon, uh, mm -hmm. and I'm standing there and I'm, I'm, I'm we're going to see, uh, Chris Novoselic, uh, his new band giants in the trees. And we have no idea that they're going to actually be there yet. Like, we, you right. know, and this was like three years ago. And my buddy like elbows me and it's like, kind of like look next to you. And I turn and I'm six, five, I turn right. and look, and I'm looking at someone's shoulder, and I look up, and it's him standing right next to me, oh, just kind of smiles and looks forward. And I was like, holy <laughs> fuck, holy so fuck. So cool. And uh, anyways, I got a picture with him. But so here's the weird thing, and this is a tangent, but like he, I got the picture with him. But what he does when you get a picture with Chris is he puts his hand up like, like uh, uh, just up, like not even waving, but just up straight. And stands there and smiles really cheesy like he does when he's playing. Like he just smiles right. the whole time. But right. 
he didn't want to take the picture for one, but I, I made uh-huh. him like, I was like, I have to, I have to, we have, please. Right. He's like, all right. Puts his hand up, but my buddy's phone, they have that live, um, Oh, picture. No, yeah. So if you press and hold the picture he sends me, he's totally like angry and then smiles all cheesy and then goes back to mad. Oh, In the picture, man. it's hilarious. You see the full ride. The that's full so ride. Funny. Anyway, <laughs> like I say, yeah. that's a tangent, but it's it, when you great. meet people like that, it's like uh, you kind of have to. You never know. In. You got to ask. It's all good. Hell yeah. <laughs> so when did you know, like, when did. Uh, you said you started street team stuff, like doing street team stuff early on Would that yep. around that time when those pictures were coming through, like, were you on those yes, bands street? That teams? was exactly. That's exactly how I was getting. Usually I was getting like a free ticket to the show or something, but never like a backstage pass or anything like that. It was always just, you know, here's a box of samplers for the newest new metal thing that one of these labels signed, please go to the next system of a down show. Here's a ticket to it. Um, pass these stickers out while you're there, you know, or whatever. So it was very, it was cool. It was, it was an awesome process. And I kind of got a glimpse of like watching these bands or like, I mean, I had hybrid theory, two song samplers before the record came out, you know, Mm -hmm. for the, that stuff. So it's like, I'm, yes, I'm watching like these bands and I'm like, Whoa, this is really cool. And then like two months later, you're like, Oh my God, they're fucking gigantic. So it's like, I had this really interesting education firsthand of just like not doing i mean i'm passing it out at one show in chicago right i'm not breaking a band but i'm truly going well this is a band no one heard of two months ago and now they're huge so it's like in my brain something is like triggering of like well that's interesting as fuck how did they do that how did they go from zero to a hundred in a few months like so i'm just like watching this happen over and over and just probably not at the time thinking much of it or like taking notes or learning from it i'm just like once you see something enough times you kind of go whoa well why can't the band that i just saw play to 200 people in a vfw hall get that big maybe they can you know and you start to think that way um and that's where kind of the label then from street teams i just was like well i just love finding shit early and telling people about it i'm watching all these other bands do it obviously not knowing the large machine they had behind most of those things i was promoting clearly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but still being naive and going well this band is just as good as the other two bands i think are cool so fuck it let's try it and you know probably making a lot of mistakes along the way but that's what gets you you know if you don't make those mistakes you never get started really so just kind of went through it you'll never make it through the interview uh, you know for a job that that is asking you to do things you know like this without that experience you know and you won't stick around either you know these relationships you're building with with both industry and bands and then same time like exposing yourself to to celebrity so often I mean, and, and then you start to get a grasp and understand kind of what it's what, not what it's like, but the way you're reacting to this person coming off the bus, you're starting to see, you know, what it's like for them to be the person right. coming off the bus and seeing someone like that, you know, or seeing the effect, totally. you know, like I walk in to get pizza for the kids today for lunch and the person doesn't know me and it's a totally normal interaction. But if I was, uh, you know, uh, if I was, you know, Jonathan Davis and walk into a little Caesars, maybe there's a huge chance that they know who I am. And then it's just like, oh, um, you know, right. You get right. to see that reaction, but then also learn a little bit more about being in that position. You know? Totally. I mean, these days, I think my bands get annoyed with me sometimes because I'm sitting on their buses and I see kids outside and I'm like, one of you, let's go. And they're like, well, we're, you know, this. I'm like, no. Those are lifelong fans. Get off your ass. 
throw a shirt on. Let's go out there for 20 minutes. I'll go out there with you, but talk to each one of those kids and at least give a photo or, or sign something. And every single time they're like, all right. And then they do it. You know what I mean? Cause I'm standing there, I'm making them, you know, most fans want to do it, but you know what I mean? After a long show, after, you know, who knows, show 28 of 30 mm-hmm. on tour, whatever it is, you're just like, some days you're like, dude, I'm just going to chill. And then I'm like, no, <laughs> get up yeah Let's you're go. on tour you're at work man like you, yeah i was like we gotta go those are five kids right there that could be here forever yep so well, let's go so yeah no it's it's an interesting thing to see both sides and carry it and make sure that that kid is treated well sure and that kid is going to go to school the next day or college the next day and blow the story out of proportion to his yes, friends which forever. three or four of his friends are gonna be like wait who did you meet oh you right. know so and so and like who and then they yeah. know your band you know, totally. you got to always be hustling with that, even when you're, I mean, massive. I mean, because it can change, you know, it Very can change quickly. really quickly. And if you have those lifelong fans, I mean, that's a big deal. And you'll be OK. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They will be there for you. You know, they'll sure. be the person at the at the dot at Dante's in downtown Portland. You know, the, the 300 <laughs> people in Dante's watching you, you know, like uh, and I say this because I've, I saw um I did an interview with Cove from uh, from uh, Dead American Seosin, uh, and they mm-hmm. were on tour with Eve Six, and Eve Six was oh, wow. massive, and Eve Six is now playing Dante's for like three hundred yes. people, and it's sure. it's so crazy to watch how fast that go that, that can change, you know, because Corn yeah. is playing the Motor Center, you know, almost yeah. sold out, as like big as they've been, yeah, exactly. And I will say this, like that's that's uh, no one sounds like them. I think, and to no. this day, no one sounds like them. Whatever genre they started and whatever people yeah. think of it, no one sounds like them to this day. People have tried, yeah. They have tried the so hard. They've <laughs> fallen so short, and it's so crazy Absolutely. to see. I mean, Jesus awesome. Christ. So, and so I want to talk to you, and this is kind of jumping around, but working with Gatsby's, you did uh, on on LLR, you did um, uh, in the Land of Lost Monsters, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. I did the record between Ribbons and Sugar uh-huh. and Volcano. Okay. For the Die Hard fans. That's and that's that's uh, interesting because I got that EP um, mm-hmm. from Rudy at a show uh-huh. yep. in Portland because I we played with Gatsby's a bunch with Anatomy of a Ghost on Ribbons and Sugar and that record didn't not ever leave my my CD player. It seemed like it was always awesome. on and. Uh, it was just so interesting. There's no choruses. Yeah. Like all these <laughs> parts I really want, I have to listen to the whole song to get it one time. You right. Know? You got to like, go back. It's crazy. <laughs> and then I meet up with them. They're on tour, like a bear versus shark and maybe Circa. I right. don't remember. Um, and Rudy handed me this, this EP. I was like, dude, what's this? He's like, oh, we just put it out. And I remember looking right. at the label and I didn't know what the label was. And, uh, right. but I didn't even look into it. Like I've just put it in the CD player in my car and listened to yeah. it. It was fantastic. And so awesome. They're such a good band. And I'm so happy that you had a piece of that band. Yeah, because... that was, we love that band in Chicago. So oh, it was cool. Yeah. I mean, we it came it came across my I lived with two of the guys from Academy Is, my partner Tony and I lived with two of them, William and Mike. And they, you know, they were writing their record. They were basically starting to become a little bit more sought after in Chicago and shows were getting big. And then we go to the record store all the time where I worked and they, there was a review of ribbons and sugar and in one of the magazines and one of them read it, bought it, brought it home 
and we were all like, oh my God, what the fuck is this? This makes no sense. Like it's catchy as shit. There's no choruses. The lyrics are wild as fuck. Like, you know, it just made no sense to us, but we were in love with it. So I reached out to Bobby for some reason or somehow on, um, on instant messenger. And, you know, to us, we don't, we didn't know how big or not big Gatsby's was. We thought they were huge, right? Like Mm -hmm. we thought, you know, just big band, the way the record sounded and how cool and smart the record was. Um, and I was just talking to him and he, we would talk probably every other day for a couple of weeks or something just about music and, you know, kind of what the industry is to us. And again, I'm like a 19, 20 year old kid that doesn't know anything about the industry, but I'm just like, oh yeah, this, you know, support your friends, blah, 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 what you would think you should do. Right. And him and I just connected over it and he's like, yeah, we're trying to put out this DP. This is what the songs sound like and whatever. And I was like, dude, jokingly, I basically said like, oh, we'll put it out. And he's like, cool, let's do it. And I was like, what? That's Bobby, and like, dude. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, he's like, yeah, literally, we're, we're going to go in and record it uh, with our buddy Casey. So if you want to, like, this is what it would look like to pay for the recording of it. Let's do it. And then after a couple serious phone calls, he was, he wasn't fucking around. And I was like, holy shit. And we were super broke, super in debt. And I was like, we have, we have to figure this out. Like we just opened another credit card to do it. (laughs) You know, it just was like, fuck it. Let's do it. We had no money and just figured it out. That's insane. That's insane. Have you, so have you talked to Bobby about the lyrics to ribbons and sugar? Like have you I had have that talk because in, in in many passings, yes, in many different <sighs> ways, yes. Him and I spent one entire night, like almost all night. Uh, we were at yeah. Mike Kaminsky's house um, <laughs> in it. in Huntington or uh, Newport Beach. Maybe uh, was... I don't know where he's at. This he's, was a long he's time more ago. north than me. Yeah, this yeah, was, okay. Or excuse me, we were at a friend's house. Mike was managing Fear Before the March of Flames, and he was sleeping yes. in a sleeping bag on the mm-hmm. floor with us. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. DistroKid.com slash VIP slash PPP. 
Go check out DistroKid right now, distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately. That is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. And I thought it was so funny because this little tiny man is this manager, so manager extraordinaire. <laughs> this little right. tiny guy with the sweetest little voice who loves kitties uh, right. is a manager m- mogul. Anyway, Bobby and I sat out on this porch and he just went through right. the stories of his childhood and that so wild, horrendous. Uh, it made me brought me to tears twice. Sure. And that record now means so much. And then every record after that, like you hear all, all Bobby's stories, like it's, it's real. 
and he'll it's wild. It's insane. So I w- eventually want to get him on the pocket and just dissect Rivers Sugar for everyone yeah. to hear the story because it's it's he should write a it's insane. But um, totally, he's still one of my dearest friends, and we we text about music probably once a week, and I send him artists that I'm working with and have him reconstruct their song. It's really funny. We we do a lot of stuff still. Um however many years later this is probably like sixteen years later. Something yeah. crazy. Is he still a flight attendant? Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. I mean when when and if, yeah. I mean depending on the yeah. industry right now. But yeah, sure. That was insane. Uh so take me back too because you just said you opened another credit card to do that. How were you funding these releases <laughs> back then? Was it literally going uh, into debt? Yeah. Oh yeah. We, uh, we started, I started with four grand cash that my grandmother gave me for college to, to like get started my first year in college, which I ended up not going and took that money and said, I'd rather start a record label. And luckily my parents were awesome and said, cool, you got a year to like, kind of show us that you're taking it seriously. Otherwise you go back to school. And I was like, great. So did that. Um, you know, Gatsby's, I think was my eighth or ninth record that we put out, something like that. So two and a half years after that, cause it was starting to work with other bands and you know, whatever, but I say starting to work as in people thought we were successful, but we were, man, I mean, when we closed our doors, we were 30 grand in credit card debt for sure. Oh my! And this God. is like 21 year old, two 21 year old kids that have, I work at a record store and my buddy worked at like an auto place. You know what I mean? Like we're, we are not balling. We did not have money to pay for it. So, um, but yeah, so that, that was it. It was just literally for the love of it. We were super in debt. We would, we had probably had four or five different credit cards and we would, make any dollars off of one record and put it right into the next one and then more on top of it with credit cards. So we just never, we weren't like business savvy at all. We just loved what we loved the certain bands and had just helped them and then figured it out later, which we kind of were like, well, let's just, you know, I went to feel our ramen and he started tour managing the Academy is. So we kind of shut the doors on the label and both got our gateway. So if you look at it, we kind of spent 30 grand to get our, jobs if yeah. that makes sense yeah you know? which so, is a small price kind of, to pay in hindsight totally because between I mean, two people absolutely oh yeah i mean to now a a career that's taken you i mean all over the place sure absolutely him as well so yeah i, I would do it all over again if i knew the outcome i'd be a lot more scared to do it this time around being older <laughs> well you think about it too like yeah 30 grand 30 grand is like less than a community college degree no of debt, right? Granted, you know, credit card debt is. A, I think it's a little more interest than, uh, right, than student loans. But Jesus Christ, sure, yeah. And luckily, we sold off all the stuff that we could and kind of got our feet back under us to move on once we stopped. So wasn't too crazy, but yeah, it definitely was just jumping off and not thinking, just because yeah. we knew the moments that mattered. I think, yeah. And be, I mean, that's just priceless, priceless uh, experience, you know, and it's a great story, you know, totally. if it just like, now, yeah, now it, it just is. worked out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if it all just worked out all the way through, right. like, yeah, then, the, you know, you know uh, yeah, like you guys, your first signing was what, like Paramore or something. And it just worked out like, <laughs> right. It, it wasn't that There are way. labels. Yeah. No, sure. Sure. I mean, even if you go back to Feel by Ramen, like the first huge record was Fall Out Boy, which was their 63rd release. So think 63rd of how 63rd release. 63rd. So, I mean, Holy they had shit. 
big, big moments randomly with like a Jimmy World EP or Yellow Card, but not like they didn't have those bands under six record contracts or something crazy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They did like a big release that sold 20,000 copies, but that was it. That was their release. They didn't have the next one and then the next one. So Fall Boy wow. was the first one to really like break it open. But think about that. 63 records in. Jesus. So what were yeah. you doing for Fueled by Ramen? Were you doing A&R for them or were you working like behind the scenes? Not initially. Yeah, not initially. I got hired to be the retail um, the retail guy. So I was the guy calling and begging random shitty record stores that didn't care about, you know, if I called a record store in Seattle to take, you know, a band like that wasn't selling well or not in they never been to seattle i had to try to convince them to buy three records off of us you know so my days were filled with just rejection over and over until you get to the era of you know some of the early stuff like the fallout boy stuff breaking or academy is and gym class heroes and then paramours and by then we had a lot of help with from atlantic records but around then is when i kind of shifted to a and r when we were kind of speaking with Atlantic to take over the retail side of it. Um, and then when I brought the band forgive Durden to my boss, also Seattle, yeah. um, we, when I brought it to him, he basically was like, cool, why don't you go sign the band? And I was like, well, what do you mean go sign the band? Cause usually I'd show him bands and then we'd go together or he would go and try to figure it out. And this was the first one where he's like, you do it. You sign it. Like you used to sign on your label, make the records and you run point on it. And I was like, Oh, cool. This was like a year, year and a half into me working there. So I did that. And then I signed this Providence. Who's also a Seattle band. Yeah. All uh, Casey both Bates stuff. <laughs> all Casey Bates stuff. And I knew, I knew he would deliver on a small budget for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made the first Forgive Dirt and Record for $3,000 all in. Wow. Which is less money than I paid for in the Land of Lost Monsters, which is crazy. Uh-huh. So, um, but yeah, that's that was kind of the shift into A&R is when I started bringing bands that, and then he was kind of like, I love this, but you go do it. And I was like, great. So he kind of empowered me to take over that side of it uh, with him. Man, that's killer. So that, red, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I was talking about this with probably with Sanshaw because I brought that band Glacier Veins to him. Where, awesome. uh, dude, I love that band, and I don't get that feeling very often about a band, especially live, like in a small, like uh, uh, what hundred capacity venue with right. like twenty people, to where instantly I was just like felt something. I was like, this band is going to be huge. And then hearing the new single they put out like on their own and I just like put it on repeat in my car and drove around an extra 45 minutes to where I was going so I could hear it enough times. And I was, I just hit them up. I was like, can I send your stuff to some people? And they're like, are you still there? Your call has been forwarded. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Eight one three. Are you there? Yeah. There oh, you go. That was All super right. weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was like, and I tried calling back when I read the voicemail. Yeah, I did the same thing. <laughs> weird. Um. Anyways, uh, but I but I I heard that single and I was like, and when I asked him, I called Malia. I was like, can I send your stuff to some people? And she's like, well, sure. yeah, sure. But we're already on a label. I was like, I know, I know, and it's a small label, but I, I want to send it around. 
And I think Dan right. was the first person I sent it to. And then uh, he's like, yeah, we're, uh, let me sit on it for a little bit. And I didn't know it was going to happen. And then he wrote me back and said, like, hey, the whole team's jamming this thing. And right. then they That's were, awesome. like, into it and signed him. And I was like, what? That's, That's amazing. killer. And now the Fucking virus killed cool. that tour they got picked up on. <laughs> but yeah. the record is fantastic. That's great. I would see how the for the love of it, sometimes it, the right people get together. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's crazy to think about that. But like, so, I mean, A and R is an interesting position because, like, you. I mean, a lot. Of, I think a lot of people are confused on what it even is because sure. you know you hear, oh, my A and R guy, or or a lot of times you hear, uh, you know, our our A and R at the label no longer works there, so the the, the <laughs> record failed. <laughs> You know, the usual story. Yeah. Everyone that was into us is no longer working there. So yeah, no your your head your head cheerleader left. Yeah, it's gone. Exactly, exactly. But right. so, fueled by ramen starts taking off. I mean, like what I remember fueled by ramen for, of course, is probably what everyone does is the Fall Boy, Paramore stuff. Like, sure. uh, which I think Paramore is still doing stuff. Are they on Atlantic? No, they're still on. FBR. Still on. Fuel. Yeah. Okay, and. So that stuff starts blowing up huge. And then right. I always associate, for some reason, I associated Fueled by Ramen with Pete Wentz. Yes, I thought so that was his label, but didn't he buy into it right. or something? No. So what happened there, which a lot of people think that, which is awesome, and he's great. So he's a huge part of the success of that era. He had started, um, he he was the one who originally took uh, Academy Is and brought them to, to Fueled by Ramen. So him and I had obviously worked on that band together you know just as friends or whatever and then he took the next one he had found i believe was gym class heroes um through a friend of ours nick schmecka uh, in chicago and then panic and i think he was just finding all this stuff that he was super excited about so he started a label called the cadence um and then that was through field by ramen for the first like I don't know, four years, something like that. Um, so she had a sub label within Feel by Ramen, but a lot of the, there was a lot of big stuff on that simultaneous with the stuff that John was still signing to Feel by Ramen as well. Okay. See, that's something, that's a side I've never worked on. So mm -hmm. I don't even understand how it all works because I've never done the label. I've always been, you know, talking to labels or, or, you know, putting right. out a record, but never the back end kind of stuff. So I'm curious, right. like when you say, so you've done some pretty, amazing signings in the last the last few years i mean brought some really awesome stuff forward what is the process in that when you when you're out like before all this stuff happened with the virus you know how many mm -hmm. nights a week are you going out watching bands or going to shows and then when you find something you like what's the process from there that takes it from so say like tones and i like mm -hmm. What happened? What was the process with that signing? How did that work from like seeing the band or hearing the band to right. boom on Jimmy Fallon? Right. Um, with her, she had released a single um, earlier last year uh, just on her own in Australia. And she had been grooming a small, a fan base, small all the way into pretty big before we before she released music because she was a busker just performing on the streets in Australia and just crowds were getting out of hand big because everyone just loved her. And so she released her first song called Johnny Runaway. And then it went really quickly on Australian radio. Triple J is a big prominent component there in LA in, uh, in Australia. So the song did really well there. So it caught our attention through a few different ways, just through partners and through, you know, we do a lot of like research on the data side of things when things are like randomly jumping and 
big, big numbers that you're kind of like, whoa, what is this? Why is it performing so well on, you know, these two playlists? How did it get on those? So you start reverse engineering why things are happening. Um, and with her, that song was going crazy. And then we had gotten a couple songs from them. We reached out, got a couple songs from them, started talking to management and started talking to her. And she had sent a batch of songs and one of them being Dance Monkey. And then we were kind of like, oh, okay, cool. This is great. And then she's like, yeah, I got shows in two weeks or whatever. So my boss was like, well, why don't you just go? Like, go to Australia and go see some of those shows. I was like, okay. Why don't you just go to Australia? (laughs) And at the time I'm sitting in a studio in Nashville while the band Camino is recording their debut with us too. So I'm not Mm -hmm. even home, you know, so I'm literally like, wait, I'm in Nashville. I have to go home to California. And you're asking me to go to, I should, you're saying I should go to Australia next week. You know, it's like, yeah, okay. I guess we'll figure this out. Hope it's worth it. You know? (laughs) So, so we do that and we go and I, I go and I see her and she's playing, she's doing like a really small, like hundred, 125 cap tour um and she's they're all sold out because the first single is still doing really well there but it was booked so far in advance that she wanted to keep the intimate venues for the fans that were early you know so she wanted to make it special and do those anyway so i went to one of those and when i landed and got to the show that first day she like came up to me and was like i can't believe you actually came i didn't think you were a real person (laughs) so (laughs) i was like cool yeah it was awesome so then she went on and killed it and i literally was watching it just like mind blown it was just the coolest storytelling in between songs like no one think about this she had one song released and she had just released her second song being dance monkey a week prior and she played for an hour i would say and everyone there was losing their minds, only hearing really one or two songs. Mm-hmm. But that's how good of a storyteller she was within her songs and in between songs, setting up the story for the song. So you were so invested, no matter if you've heard the song or not, you already knew how powerful it was. So with that one, like literally by the end of the night, I was on the phone and the time zones were real fucked up. Obviously, it was like I was watching her at night in Australia, but calling and texting my bosses who it was morning the day before in New York or something crazy. Uh So we were talking and I was just like, you know, we were, I freaked out and I was sending them videos. And when dance monkey played, I was like, this is it. It's over. Like if (laughs) we were even, even kind of excited before, like figure it out right now. And we kind of went and moved as quick as we could to where literally the next day at breakfast, like we're discussing a record deal um, and going through points of it, or at least, you know, kind of points, really broad strokes. And then she had come to New York a few weeks, a few weeks later to meet with every label. I think she met with like 20 labels or something ridiculous. Um, And then by the end of that process, she was just like, you know, you guys have always been there from the start or however, you know, she was just like, I've always felt just the honest, you know, well-being would be taken care of and trust you with the art. Let's do it. So it was a very fun process. It was the craziest thing I've ever done. No question. And obviously looking at the numbers, probably the craziest thing, you know, life changing (laughs) career. That's insane. And, and she was right. I mean, she found one of the most honest people in the music business right there. Johnny Minardi, like the end. Hope so. I mean, wow. (laughs) In Nashville, yeah, why don't you fly to Australia? And then you do it, and she she's blown blown away that you actually exist. That's right. That's ridiculous. That cool. And you get to see yeah. something so special, right? You know, and you got to think too when when you call 
management, you know, for a band like this, they're freaking the fuck out once they hang up the phone. Like, holy shit. You know, Johnny yeah. from Electra, Electra Record or Electra Music Group just called and they're losing their shit. You know, like the same, yeah. the same thing. Like when you were outside on the bus, like, holy fuck, so and so's coming out. Holy fuck, so and so's coming out. That same moment's happening for them just because of a phone call. Totally. How insane I mean, is that turnaround from the kid in front of the bus to I make a phone call and people flip the fuck out? You I know, mean, across the world. I, I don't think of it that way, but I, I appreciate the sentiment of what you're saying. I definitely love the thought of just like, if we're the right partner, then we can provide for you. You know what I mean? And yeah. there's definitely cases where those conversations start and we see different visions and goals and we just go like, hey, I don't think we're the ones to help you get it there. You know, to me, I'd rather do that than to be in the business of tricking some some artists or whatever it is like i sure. would much rather just be a fan of something if i felt like i was getting in the way and with her it was it was just like we aligned so perfectly in that sense of what she was explaining she wanted to do mm -hmm. with her career and you know is very much her own way and clearly she i mean she writes all of her own songs like it's a very different thing for someone competing at the level she competes at and i think there's something crazy honest and sincere with everything she does yeah if someone's willing to go out and and be a busker you know like just play right. your stuff like wasn't jeff buckley a, a busker too for a while like, i think I mean, so yeah some of the most talented people i mean and you see those videos on youtube where like seal will go out and sing with somebody in like a costume or something to where they don't know who right. he is. And, right. you know, like, and I'm sure some of that stuff staged like, okay, in, in five minutes, yeah, we're going to do this. But how cool is that? You know, like some of the most yeah, talented people and they're doing it for the love of it. Like, what am I going to do today? I'm going to go sit at the side of this building and I'm going to put a case out there and I'm just going to play music. You know, sure. I'm not going to make any money. I'm going to make some money, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's what's so cool about you too, Johnny is, is, you are a true music fan. So like you, you, and you, you genuinely, you know, believe in these people and, and want to, it's so cool to see that indie label attitude in a major label uh, showroom. You know what I mean? Like, love that. Yeah. And I think just how you put it is how I always try to say it where like, I love to, you know, say something along the lines of like, I want to be able to protect your vision from you know some random faceless entity but i also want to help you the second you feel like we can help you you know so it's like a very push and pull of like my ideals from growing up in the punk rock ethos of everything but then also knowing we have a machine with us you know uh -huh. a full army of people that when the time is right we can do it and we've proven to do it over and over again that the track record speaks for itself so there's nothing, there's no ego. There's nothing to gloat about. It's just like each artist is so different mm -hmm. that, you know, and some artists don't want to go that fast or go that big or what, you know, everyone's different and you, you could lay out the options in front and certain ones pick different ways, you know, and, and that's cool too. It's mm -hmm. not all, it doesn't all have to be the same thing, which sure. is super exciting. Sure. I mean, you have, you have something you can provide and, and if they want to take it, they can take it, you know, but you genuinely yeah. want them you know, on your team. Like that's, that's absolutely, that's the stuff. I mean, and your example and, and you know, the culture you're building is going to change a lot of people too. in in that realm, you know, people that may have not come up through the indie world, you know, sure. uh, that just went, Hey, I got an internship at here and this is, and I like right. these bands and, and boom, let's, you know, make money. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. everyone needs to make money to live. I mean, you're a family man, you have to make money, but of course, 
you can you can lay your head on your pillow at night, you know, and and know that's you, what it you is. Give it your best shot, you know. Right, there's a right and a wrong way to do all that stuff. So exactly. I like to again pride myself, like you said, being able to sleep at night versus mm -hmm. knowing I took something from someone that didn't deserve. Yeah, and being able to bring your your daughter up, like I love those pictures of her on someone's back. Who whose back was she on at that festival? Like, <laughs> yeah, that was Jack from All Time Low. He okay. was DJing, and she ran out and he pulled her <laughs> to uh, run around stage and start the next song. And yeah, she's uh, she's experienced some wild um, shows. She watched, she got to watch Circa from side stage, and I, I got a cool shot of that. There's just stuff that like we're living through her as parents of like you don't even understand how cool this is yeah yeah she's just such a such a it's so so fun to watch that on the instagram and stuff like i, I get a chuckle out of it every time so it was like man this awesome. kid is gonna be into it man like so ingrained <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm very curious where it takes her in that sense of what what passion is yeah maybe she hates it who knows like maybe yeah sometimes they rebels. go the other way rebels right. against it i'm gonna do this i'm right. gonna be a accountant and and uh sure. or a librarian or something <laughs> absolutely i wouldn't be shocked but oh my god well tell me so so going to vp of a and r so vp of a and r for electric music group mm -hmm. what does that entail you have a team of people below you that or underneath you that that are a and r folks as well that you then a kind of are you still able to find bands and bring bands together? Are you using yeah. them? No, it's, it's not even exactly like that. It's like, we're all just a big team and we very much, you know, at the, whatever it's like, we, we all do the same things every day in that sense of we have a roster of bands that we work with on within the label. And we're obviously always searching and talking to new ones. So, you know, everyone operates at a similar you know, day, if you will. Um, and we all have, you know, we have consultants, interns, we have a, like just a big team. And, you know, at any moment, any artist can come through any one of those things. So I truly think that each piece of it is just as important depending on the day of the week. Right. Yeah. So, and, and you can see the drive in certain people quicker or different than others. You know what I mean? And that's not to say that someone won't be successful, but it's just to say like someone that constantly wants to, turn over new bands and be like, look, this one's cool, but I don't love, you know, I love this person's voice, but I just think they're trapped in the wrong thing. Like what if we help them with this producer? And, you know, it's like ideas like that <clears throat> to really blueprint something special. I love those kind of conversations too, with an artist of just like, well, what are you going for? What if you tried some of this? And that's why I think the whole team is special because they all come from different backgrounds um, mm -hmm. and different, you know, levels and ages and eras, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, and so fever three, 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 was that your deal as well? Mm -hmm. Dude, that yeah. band, that band is off the chain. Like the, oh, the best. The, so Jason especially is such a special person. I mean, uh, one of the most yeah. passionate front man I've ever seen, you know, oh, to, yes. I mean, no question. Uh, he, he came on, he came on the show, uh, right before right after no right before i think the record came out and right. uh he and i had not met really before and we had a great chat and then you know he still keeps in touch like it's it's like it's so random oh, yeah. and strange he's that guy he's for so sure. grateful for everything mm -hmm. like i probably helped him not at all but but you know like like a little blip but he was so appreciative of of everything and and just you know engaged yeah. It's so crazy yeah. how people can be with, you know, 
me aside, like the amount of other people he has to stay engaged with and still have time to do the family thing and everything else is right. just mind boggling to me. Who, who can yeah. keep that all together and then go out I mean, and annihilate? That's just his passion again. You know what I mean? Like he's just a radiant dude that is you're around him and you know, it's, it's real. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, there's some sort of passion leaking from him at any moment, um, whether it be the middle of the night or not or something, you know? So, yeah. um, you know, he's, special dude and when i you know when i first met him i i, I saw him them posting the like fourth of july randy's donut stuff um through probably through feldman stuff uh-huh. and then reached out right away and just kind of went to the studio with john and john played me a bunch of the songs and literally picked up the phone and he's like jason i got this dude here you've never met you should you should meet with him where are you and he's like i'm at work um delivering cookies right he at this point i think he worked at this like watch shop or something this is a little <laughs> bit after the cookies thing um and he's like and then i called him and was just like where are you and he's like you know here i was like cool can you take an hour half hour lunch break at some point in the next few hours he's like sure and i was like cool i'm on my way and went and took him to lunch and sat down and just like really connected we had just both been obsessed with the defiant ones right at that moment and uh-huh just kind of talked about like, again, like how raging Against the machine made me feel when I was 14 years old in a sold out arena or like learning to question everything in that. And I was like, I want that moment and I want that for other people, you know? And he was just like, dude, if you're ready, let's go. Like, and we just jumped into it. I actually still have the voicemail that he called me with later that night, just being like, I'm in like, whatever you guys need, let me know. Let's start doing this. Um, and it's, it's pretty special, but yeah, I mean, we're rounding up record two right now. So he's, he's in the midst of that. So, Oh my God, Johnny, that is so awesome. I think yeah, that's the same thing been, I said. I was like, you're the rage against the machine that we need right now. Like you are right. that fire that we totally. need and because that, rage hadn't that, come back yet. And I was totally, like, this exactly. Is like, this is yeah. Two and a half, three years ago at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, yeah, it's like, and it was the first week I started back at, you know, Roadrunner fuel by and all that. And I just was like bumped into John and listened to this stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, I need, we got to figure this out. And yeah. here we are. Dude, that is killer. That is absolutely killer. Is that how you met uh, Travis Barker then was through that? Or did you know yes. him before? No, just through that. Yeah, yeah. We were just because we would be in, in the studio going over music with um, Jason and John for the most part or whatever mixed bag of nuts we were that day. Um, and then it's funny because we would him and I would be referencing these like obscure things kind of. And we'd both be like, "Whoa, you know about that? Like, I, I remember I was like this. There was a song called Vandals that we ended up releasing later as a B-side for the Japanese record from fever and i was like the production should be more like this like one-off zach de la roca thing he did called digging for windows and travis was like holy shit you know that song and i'm like it's unbelievable <laughs> but no one's heard of it it's, it literally had like eighty thousand plays or something you know something really minuscule for a guy on that size of a stage yeah and i was like but the production was so rad i've always stuck with it and that's what the song needs and then they went back so it's like we just connected over a couple of those things and then we would just offline about certain artists here and there and just share share music and eventually he started just like you know he's been producing and writing for other artists and he Mm -hmm. would just like you know take a kid in do a bunch of songs and then that band that artist would go sign somewhere like atlantic or, or another label or whatever and eventually he started to send me some of these kids and they didn't have labels and i was like well why instead of sending these kids around to other labels why don't you just 
do a label. And he's like, I just don't have the right partner. I was like, okay. <laughs> hey, Shit. good to meet you. Yeah. And then I we sat down and just went through a bunch of music and just kind of always saw eye to eye on stuff. And, you know, we very much clicked in that sense again, just like much like Jason and I, or, you know, when you feel like you can help someone and you're like, I have this area in this platform, how can I provide it? If for something that I see you're doing, that's really special. And you're the creative that's speaking to the world. You know, I'm not, I'm the one that could just give this area. Um, and yeah, it's been incredible. I mean, he's such a wizard. I'm watching him take an artist from zero to all, you know, just the, the, the tenacity and like the step-by-step he puts into like the artistry of everything mm-hmm. is just so crazy. And it's like, for anyone that thinks the dude is just like a phenomenal drummer, which obviously he is, it's like, he's so beyond that for the vision and, and how he t- treats each of these people step every step of the way it's been incredible to learn from yeah absolutely and then come what drummer for the aquabats to then hey you want to join this <laughs> right. blink 182 band and then wait a minute right. you're a mogul like right it's so crazy how things like that happen like right pick plucked from obscurity and then you know uh, just a monster total and then, and and then you, the stuff he did, did with nothing nowhere. well yeah 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 oh my yeah, god we did, we did another the band that's fucking awesome totally Dude, awesome. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, that came completely naturally too to to show the side of him that's like true to like the artist roots. It's like he had reached out to me about them, about him. It's it's one dude, yeah, Joe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he basically was like, you know, hey, I saw what he went through, like tell me more about it. And I did. And he, you know, kind of was like, I see it. Like I went through a bunch of that side of depression and couldn't get back on stage and all this other stuff. Like, if you ever want, bring him out. Um, and I'll spend time with him and just like let him know like it's 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 okay. Like you can re refine your footing. And he had nothing to do with the artist. Like he truly just like was enamored with the thought process of like the story and just like seeing this tortured artist like fumble, you know, and he's just like, dude, send them out. And so on the next trip, we put them in the studio together and they just kept writing and writing and they by the end of like a two, you know, we didn't do two straight weeks, but but maybe like five or six days, they had like four or five songs done. And I was like, holy shit, like we should just do this as like a project, like a one-off thing. Um, and they both, you know, they they just had this chemistry that was so great. So we, we dropped that late last year in the fall called Bloodlust and Six Songs and it's fucking mm-hmm. killer. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, you have such a such a good grasp of of what can work but at the same time you know saving that passion you know like it's so i mean i view you guys you know on such a similar level uh you know you and barker like just both just moguls like just you just understand like you have the passion you have the drive you have the ear you have the means you know it's just such a cool partnership to see and then at the same time like the 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 music you're bringing to the table is fucking amazing. You know, like yeah, we're, I like, appreciate it. Yeah. I, te- I, sh- I was showing the fever stuff every chance I had at work, putting mm-hmm. it on and like talking to people at work about it. Like, you know, no, you got to check this band out. Like, and I would sure. mention every once in a while, they're like, he sounds kind of familiar. I was like, have you heard let live? And they're like, yeah, but they right. had not heard, they had not heard the fever. And I was like, dude, this is seriously going to be like huge. Like it has to be mm-hmm. like, there's no other <laughs> way, you know? Yeah, and then, that's the plan. Uh, that's the hope. Yeah, and I was supposed to have uh, Joe from Nothing Nowhere on the show 
on tour man this was a right. while back but i think he had yeah. something going on we just didn't have time yes i right. would love to still get his story down you know like in, of in, course. and talk to him because uh, he, listening to those songs like i identify with so much in the in the lyrics mm-hmm. of those songs and it's so true and it's right. it's not you know uh it's just real and it's rare to see so much rawness you know especially like from right. fever and from from uh nothing nowhere like just as examples like it's it's something you just don't hear very often totally and you know? and that's what i think draws me to those artists and you know again it's always about getting to know them and when you get to know specifically those two people like it's not bullshit you know what i mean like you just yeah. truly are enamored with I like, I believe what this person's saying. And I think it one can help a lot of people or whatever it may be, you know, watching that process is so important to me to be able to stand behind it and beside them and really go to battle for them in times where we need it, you know? So I think it's, it's been incredible to like learn from those kind of artists about the sincerity of it. And when you meet with an artist that isn't that way, you see it very, very differently, very fast. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you're just like, okay, well, I don't know. Do I want this to be my life's work? Do I want to really like, does this matter to me in three years? Like whatever, whatever it may be, like it's, it's a, maybe a harsher lens to put on to judge an artist, but you know, that's the honest truth. Like we all have 24 hours and I want to make sure that when I'm spending it, it's spending things that I can be really, really proud of. And that's what makes me excited to get out of bed every day to do this shit, you know? And it's some days, well beyond the stress level I ever thought I can, uh, you know, take. And there's other days that I'm just like, you know, I fucking love this shit. And mm-hmm. and then you kind of work through an issue or whatever it may be. And you really stand up and go like, dude, this is awesome. I hope this is helping someone, you know, or whatever. And each artist has a different goal, obviously. And a lot of those artists, especially those two have charities that they've started or, you know what I mean? And there's like a, a, a big donation process and same thing with grandson. And there's a few other artists that are like in the process of setting them up to where proceeds get split to causes that are important to them. And to me, that's so much bigger than, you know, selling a bunch of records or whatever. Like it's nice to have both and go hand in hand to help the other platforms, but it's just rad when people are just like trying to spread, you know, positivity or whatever it may be, you know, even through, some really honest dark raw shit but saying hey i'm proof that you can come out the other side this is this is what it is you know hopefully that gets someone up well it's very similar to to with podcasting where it's it's uh it's not how many people are listening it's who's listening you know like when when brian from corn says oh yeah hey i I listen to your show or you get hit up on instagram randomly like it's like okay People are listening, but it's like, you know, who's listening? And I will also, right. I'll forward out the emails I get to the guests I have, or people write me, or people write me and, and say, hearing so and so say this, you know, got me to get help or got me to, got Fuck me out yeah. of this depression. I will forward it immediately to that person and, yeah. and say, hey, either nice job or hey would you reach out to this person and a lot of times they're like sure. Fuck yeah send me their info of course that's you know? what and it is that person and those are the people shit. right and yeah. those are the people i want to be surrounded by no question is the people that are willing to always put it in front yeah yeah and if you say get off that bus and go take that picture and they do it there <laughs> you got it <laughs> that's some real people right there that's the point of all of it yeah man well, Johnny, dude, I've had you on the phone for over an hour now, man. I I Hell appreciate yeah. the time so much, dude. Anytime, and I I was so excited to do this episode, and uh, you know, it's it's been it's been an absolute pleasure. And 
you know, thank you for all you're doing, you know, for music, for inspiring people, inspiring me, like showing me, you know, that there's still, you know, a lot of good in the music industry, you know, and, and people that really care, you know, and, uh, appreciate it, dude, dude, appreciate you having me on, dude. I'm obviously a fan of the show as well. I listen all the time. So when you texted, I was like, fuck yeah, let's do this shit. So awesome. keep doing what you're doing. Obviously all the bands out there keep fucking kicking everyone's ass. So yeah, man, <laughs> is there it. anything you want to plug or, you know, you need to write a book or start a podcast and call it. We all, <laughs> we all have 24 hours because oh, when you man. texted me that the other day, I was just like thinking about it. I was like, you know what? Damn, he's right. You know, it's oh, what we do. No, with it, you know? Yeah, of course, dude. No, everything's good. I'm, just fucking follow along if you want on socials, see what new shit we're putting out or whatever, you know, like there's, there's a lot of good shit out there. So come and try to find it. Awesome, Johnny. Well, dude, thank you so much. I'll let you get back to your Sunday, man, but, uh, I'll be in touch soon. All right, brother. Thanks, dude. Take care. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Johnny Minardi. Like I said, one of the last true heroes of the music business. He is a man of his word. He has integrity. He has charisma. He has the magical ear for finding talent and things that, uh, you know, he knows we'll like. And uh, just, a, just a mogul. I mean, I'm going to say it. He's just a mogul. He's an awesome dude. He always has time for his friends. You know, if, if I need something, I can call him up, text him, whatever, uh, ask him a question, you know, uh, you know, run something by him. You know, no matter how busy he is, he'll get on the line. It's absolutely crazy. And, you know, to see the talent he's brought to the forefront of the music business, you know, he's made a name for himself. He hasn't just kind of, you know, gotten thrown in there. He's he's worked for it. Um, and you've heard from our conversation all the great things he's done, and uh, you'll continue to see from Johnny. Uh, we need more people like him in the music business. I'm just going to say that, too, because... You know, it's a it's an interesting thing. There's a lot of people in it for the wrong reasons, and he is not. So, uh, you know, if you get a chance to work with Johnny, um, you know, cheers to you, and uh, hopefully, hopefully that all works out well. But uh, thanks again, Johnny, for coming on the show, and uh, yeah, what an awesome dude. I just get so, uh, I just get so into it talking to friends on this show and and seeing you know where we all end up and and where we've come from. It just, it gets me, you know, super excited. You know, it's, it's something that uh, is special to capture that moment in time and that part of their story. And I'm glad you guys come along with me week after week. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. We've got a lot of episodes in the can, a uh, lot of interviews coming up, and we've got some big stuff coming. So I'll definitely keep you guys uh, abreast of that as it comes forward. But uh, anyway, uh, thanks for coming back week after week, guys. We'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, it's going to be a good one. I don't know if I'll tell you, maybe I'll tell you, maybe I'll throw a hint up, but I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Um, so yeah, thank you so much guys. Thanks to Johnny. Thanks to Blackcraft Colt and Thunderbolt guitars for being an amazing sponsors of the show. Uh, and cheers to you guys. All right, guys, we'll see you on the radio.
Who out there? Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! <laughs>